Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is December 8th, 2021, and our first story The Biden administration has been holding secret meetings with the press to manipulate the coverage because, well, it's been bad and Biden's approval rating is failing. But guess what? The collusion seems to be working. Regardless, Democrats are poised to lose in the midterms and boy, are they worried. In our next story, the Smollett trial is coming to a close today and Smollett's defense is laughably bad, so he'll probably get convicted. And in our last story, a judge has halted New York City's vax mandate. And a mother says her son was secretly vaccinated against her will, bribed with pizza. Creepy. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. But tell your friends about it. It really helps. Now, let's get into that first story. The press has actually been fairly bad for Joe Biden. I wouldn't say it's worse than it was for Donald Trump, but Joe Biden's got a lot to account for. The COVID crisis has been only getting worse under his leadership. More vaccine mandates, more lockdowns. The economy is in shambles. Potential crises in Ukraine, maybe even war. And it appears that Joe Biden cares more about that than he cares about our own southern border. But more importantly is the economy and what we can expect in the 2022 midterms. A red wave is being predicted across the board historically and as uh, according to the trends we've already seen with some of the elections, such as what happened in Virginia and New Jersey and Pennsylvania and the Biden administration and Democrats know it. One big story that came out recently was that there's been a wave of Democrat retirements in Congress. Now, that alone is enough for Republicans, enough for Republicans to take back the House. You combine that with the predicted historical shift and maybe a red wave. Oh, it's going to get gnarly. Republicans could have a supermajority. Who knows? I don't want to make that prediction. I made it a few years ago. It wasn't correct. There's still reason to believe the Democrats could actually retain power, but it seems unlikely. The Biden administration, on the other hand, is extremely worried. It is being reported now by CNN of all outlets to report this. I was surprised. The Biden administration has been holding secret meetings with news organizations to try and get them to report more positively on the Biden administration and Democrats. And at least according to the reports from CNN, it's working. What's being said by many of these these pundits and news organizations is laughable. They're trying to claim now the economy is doing great. They're trying to claim that inflation is actually a good thing. We know that CNN has been reporting these kinds of things. No, 
The Biden administration has been a disaster. Just recently, Fauci, when he was speaking to the press, he was asked about vaccine mandates. But however, you know, they, they want to put in these travel mandates for people coming to the U.S. But on the southern border, what's up with that? And Fauci goes, that's that's a separate issue. You know, there's different things going on there, really. Now, the Biden administration is they've been spiraling the drain. Now, there are some people, you know, I was talking to Bannon the other day, and, and, and they're convinced that this is proof that Trump really won the election. And I think actually, no, this to me is just uh, it's probably not evidence of anything, but it says to me, in my opinion, it's proof that Biden won the election. It really is. Joe Biden's approval rating is in the gutter, but it started in the positive. I know I know a lot of people, regular normies, skateboarders and minimum wage workers who can't tell you they couldn't tell you any one of the Supreme Court justices, let alone what a Supreme Court justice is. And they were posting videos, dropping their mail in ballots. Many of these people who voted for Biden because he was just not Trump, are now not interested, not voting, or they're realizing what a mistake they've made. And isn't that better anyway? Now, look, I know a lot of people are completely demoralized because of the things that Trump has been saying, and that's a problem. You need to resist that narrative and know that if you get out, you vote in these primaries, you vote locally for your state senators, your state representatives, your governors, your city council, you can affect change. Don't let them get you down. Biden is freaking out because he knows this. They need you demoralized. They need you scared. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend the Republicans are going to save anybody from anything. Mitch McConnell is basically signaling, or at least according to one report, that we're just going to obstruct in 2022 if we win. Are you kidding me? Now, there are some people like Matt Gates. They're like, no, 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 we're going to we're going to we're going to charge forward. Yes, for once, seeing Republicans actually try to implement policy and repeal bad law would be a good thing. So here's what needs to happen. You at home need to realize there are powerful forces that want you demoralized, thinking you can't affect change. You can. You can get out that vote, but you got to vote in the primaries and make sure, and it's not going to be easy, that the establishment neocon types, the elites are not the ones that are going to win in 2022. And the only way that happens is not with the Republican Party. It's with the Republican primaries, because if you leave the party to its own vices, they will actually just bring about more corrupt crony garbage. Mitch McConnell will be like, now that we have power, we're going to do nothing. But if you primary the Republicans, get in some actual populists that actually want to see the American worker be aided. They want to see the border secured. They don't want war in Eastern Europe. It's about getting out and getting to that vote. And you can make that change. But let's 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 go through the news. And I will show you this should be optimistic for all of you who want to see real change, because as much as it's nasty, the Biden administration is effectively colluding with media. Who's surprised by that? It shows you they know they can and are on track to lose and before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support our work. We've just brought on another journalist. We're going to be hiring more fact checkers. The more you guys join and sign up, the more we are able to do this work. We are not being driven by clicks or narrative or, or chasing an audience or any of that. No, our goal is to do good reporting. And hopefully that is something y'all want, because that's it. If our if our path towards monetization is do a good job and let people support you, 
I would rather have 100 viewers as opposed to a million if it means that those viewers are directly supporting us. So the more you guys sign up, the more you help us get more journalists on board. But you also get access to our exclusive members only segments. We had Steve Bannon on last night. You're not going to want to miss this one. Mostly it was me talking, full disclosure. But I was discussing to him what's going on with censorship, our strategies and why we do what we do. And I think this would be very enlightening for a lot of you. So please sign up, support our work. But don't forget, like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show with your friends. Let's get into the news. From the Daily Mail, White House holds secret meetings with news organizations to demand better publicity for Biden. As Washington Post columnist claims, president is being treated worse than Trump. Now, that is laughable and untrue. The media was vomiting nonstop over the idea of Trump. According to the Daily Mail, they say, Three senior White House officials have embarked on a campaign to persuade newsroom executives to be more favorable in their coverage of President Joe Biden, according to a report on Tuesday night. The trio, National Economic Council Deputy Directors David Kamen and Bharat Ramamurthy, along with Port's envoy John Porcari, have been briefing major newsrooms over the past week, according to CNN's media correspondent Oliver Darcy. Pay attention to this timeline. Darcy in his newsletter said that their outreach was sparked by concern that Biden was not being treated fairly. Darcy wrote, the officials have been discussing with newsroom trends pertaining to job creation, economic growth, supply chains, and more. The basic argument that has been made, that the country's economy is in much better shape than it was last year. I'm told the conversations have been productive, with anchors and reporters and producers getting to talk with the officials. That's right. The Biden administration held secret meetings to these journalists, and it was productive for them. Their lobbying came. As on December 3rd, a Washington Post columnist called Dana, uh, call, uh, called Dana, Dana Bash, Dana Bash, I think that's not correct, wrote an op-ed titled, The Media Treats Biden as Badly or Worse Than Trump. Here's proof. It was Dana um, Milbank said, Daily Mail, get a copy editor. Uh, or I'm sorry, it's Milbank Space said, there you go, that he had grown suspicious by the torrent of negative headlines about Biden and commissioned a study. He asked Forge.ai, a data analytics unit, of the information company Fiscal Note to look at 65 news websites ranging from newspapers to wire services and political publications and do a sentiment analysis of the 200,000 articles by searching for adjectives. Milbank said Forge.ai's data showed the media was treating Biden worse than it had Donald Trump. My colleagues in the media are serving as accessories to the murder of democracy, he wrote. Yeah, very neutral sounding. He, uh, uh, Milbank appeared on CNN to defend his theory. So uh, Brianna Kyler apparently hosted him. August was the turning point, he told, told the host, Brianna Kyler. Biden's coverage was more favorable than Trump's before then. There was that honeymoon. Could it have been Afghanistan? Maybe. Even as things have generally improved since then, the coverage has not improved. Milbank added, it's not bias. It's the actual words we're using. So we are as negative as a collective media on Joe Biden, if not more so than we were to Donald Trump at a time when he was trying to overthrow democracy. Yes, I trust the guy that characterizes Donald Trump as trying to overthrow democracy. But let me show you a little bit about what they're saying. The outreach by the three perhaps paid dividends. At the end of November, the Columbus Dispatch published an op-ed under the headline, It's Time to Give Joe Biden His Due. Willem DeRoe, a guest columnist at the paper and former treasurer for the DNC, detailed how under Biden, the economy was booming. The pandemic was being successfully combated. Companies were thriving and households were benefiting. Absolutely incredible, to say the least. Here's the Washington Post. This is from Dana Milbank. You're cruising down the highway. 
Windows rolled down, tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills, the dream turns into a nightmare. Don't wait until car trouble steals your peace of mind. Visit CarShield now at carshield.com carlson. For nearly 20 years, CarShield has helped millions of drivers avoid the stress of major repairs. They offer plans covering up to 5,000 parts and systems, from your engine and transmission to electronics and more, all for a low monthly rate that fits your budget. CarShield plans also include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, and rental options. Get peace of mind now. Visit CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Visit now. The media treats Biden as badly or worse than Trump. Here's proof. Proof, you say? A sampling of headlines atop the influential political playbook newsletter over the past month. Let the Democratic freakout begin. That's not about Biden. Dems start to face the hard questions. That's not about Biden. Does the White House owe Larry Summers an apology? Well, I believe it was um, the law of headlines. I forgot Benford's. No, that's probably wrong. Uh, I got that wrong last time. But there's a law. Any headline that asks a question, the answer is no. So that's not negative. The other big intra-democratic fight. What does that have to do with Joe Biden? You liar. The Democrats are freaking out. and These headlines exist because it's true. Democrats are retiring in large numbers. The midterms are coming. Nancy Pelosi is rumored to be out. She's not going to run for reelection. How are those headlines about Joe Biden? Some of them are for sure. But is that your proof? It's an insane manipulation. This is the game they're trying to play. Ron Klain promotes op-ed claiming sentiment analysis proves media treats Biden worse than Trump. Spare me your lies. From October 2nd, 2017, news coverage of Trump more negative than for us other presidents. You mean to tell me that Joe Biden is being treated worse than any other president in history? Okay, you know what? Let me pause for a second. Yeah, that may be true. That may actually be true. Now, I I certainly think when you're comparing Biden to Trump, it's ridiculous to say the media treats Biden worse. They, They translate for him. They ignore his gaffes. But maybe something did change. Maybe August was the turning point. Maybe people are rightly freaking out. And why? Because Biden is failing so miserably that the media can't deny it. In spite of the good things Trump had done for the economy in 2019, and of course, Trump did bad things. I'm not saying he didn't. The media still just went nuts on the guy. And Joe Biden has been doing bad the whole time, and he still has sycophants. But maybe it's true. Maybe the media is actually reporting negatively on Joe Biden, but maybe you need to get your head out of your rear. It's not because they're simply treating him poorly. It's because he's doing a bad job. Did that ever occur to you? Check this one out. Todd Smith from August 18, 2020, broadcast media coverage of Trump 95% negative. And you're saying that Biden is worse? You guys are writing puff pieces about the dude right now in mainstream press. This is from the Mississippi Business Journal. I want to show you this. Biden's job approval right now, it's at 38% according to civics, which, tr- which tracks his approval going back to the beginning of his presidency. Now, Real Clear Politics has the aggregate and he's around 41%. I think the aggregate is a better reflection because there are some that show him to be doing well. But I use civics because I want to highlight independent voters. 
Independent voters are currently currently have Joe Biden at a 27 percent approval rating. And on the national economy, independent voters currently feel that the economy is 42 percent very bad, 29 percent fairly bad, 22 percent fairly good, but only 3 percent say it's very good. Now, I like civics because it can highlight very easily by uh, political affiliation. Of course, Republicans do believe the economy is pretty bad. They say 62% very bad. And of course, Democrats say it's fairly, fairly good. This one to me is nuts. How are Democrats claiming the economy is fairly good is beyond me, but because by, by every metric, we are in serious trouble here. But it's tribalism. We get it. They're going to keep defending Joe Biden, acting like the economy is doing well. It's not. So ignore the partisans and look to the independents who tend to lean slightly to the left, according to some metrics. There's also some new metrics that don't reference independent voters, but say that politically uninitiated people have a tendency to be more right leaning. But independent voters do have a bias towards the Democrats. And you can see they think the economy is bad. I mean, they're in the plurality overwhelmingly. And they're going to come out and try and make the claim that Joe Biden's got the economy handled well, that COVID is, is, is going well. Yeah, it's not. Take a look at this from WebMD. This is not even a news source. This is WebMD. U.S. COVID-19 deaths in 2021 surpass 2020 total. Yeah. Handling it well, Joe Biden? I certainly think we can look to Ron DeSantis to see someone who's handling it well, better than most of these other jurisdictions in the United States. Some might argue, yeah, but, you know, Florida's weather. And I've pointed out, too, yes, you could argue that. But I think it's also fair to then point out Texas, for instance, which isn't doing as well. Something Florida is doing is working. That's leadership. And I don't know what it is or why. It could be incidental, but it seems like DeSantis has a handle on things, at least relative to the rest of the country. Joe Biden, however, no. WebMD says overall, more than 771,000 COVID-19 deaths have been reported in the U.S. during the pandemic, about 385,000 in 2020 and more than 386,000 in 2021. You mean to tell me that even with the vaccine, the mandates the lockdowns, it's still worse this year and I'm supposed to be happy with Joe Biden? Spare me. I don't want to hear it. For them to come out and say that Joe Biden is doing well is a lie. It's a manipulation. And that's what the Biden administration is doing. Going to the press and convincing them this is the case. And then people write it. It's patently absurd. From Politico. New Jersey's most powerful Democratic boss predicts midterm carnage. George Norcross says nobody in the state predicted last week's losses for the party. It was just a tsunami. Now, this was from just over a month ago, uh, just about a month ago, November 8th. New Jersey's kingmaker didn't see it coming. George Norcross, the South Jersey insurance executive who leads one of the most powerful Democratic organizations in the country, had no idea Governor Phil Murphy's victory over Jack Cittarelli would come down to just a couple of points. He didn't see the Democrats losing half a dozen seats to the Republican Party that's been in decline since Chris Christie left the statehouse four years ago. He certainly didn't see his close friend and political ally, State Senate President Steve Sweeney, losing an election to an unknown truck driver. This is why the Democrats are in full panic mode. This is why they're freaking out. 
Again, no guarantee that they're going to lose in the midterms, but I certainly think that's the case. And this is one of the things that frustrates me the most about the fraud narrative from, you know, look, even Steve Bannon coming on the show last night and saying that he thinks Trump won all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, it's demoralizing. We've not seen any of the hard evidence. They had an audit in Arizona. What's going on? Even Trump supporters are asking about it. I'm more than willing to assess hard data. I've met with some of these people. I've looked at the data and some of it is questionable. But that's all I can really say. You know what I think? I think people don't like Donald Trump and a lot of people really like Donald Trump. I think the media went insane against Donald Trump to the point where it actually worked driving regular people to go and vote. I think that people were locked down the entire year and the only media they were getting was election, election, Trump, 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 Trump. People I knew who didn't care about this were going out and voting, as I stated earlier. People who normally would prefer to watch movies weren't getting movies, who want to watch sports weren't getting sports. The only thing they got for the entire year was orange man bad and the pandemic is his fault. When Trump started speaking these press conferences, his approval rating reached its highest aggregate position for his entire presidency because people were saying, tell me what's going on. And they were slowly not blaming Trump. So, of course, the media said, stop showing this stuff. It's helping. I think the media played a dirty game. I think they collude with Democrats. And that what we're seeing, that's what we're seeing now. I certainly think there was a shadow campaign to say to fortify, sorry, fortify the election. But that meant changing laws a year in advance. It meant campaigning efforts on the ground uh, um, canvassing. And it, it meant that the rules were tra- changed in many places in such, a, in such a way that greatly benefited Democrats. And that means that right now, the panic you are seeing among Democrats, what just happened in New Jersey, that means you can win. It means it's possible to be optimistic and that they know they are on track to lose. But when people come out and they play this game like it's impossible to win, or at the very least, the Democrats, you know, they're using illicit means. And I'm just like, all you're doing is demoralizing people, dude. I get it. So you know what? I agree with Bannon when they say we have to we should investigate, you know, November 3rd. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we should we should definitely do investigations. They did a forensic audit in Arizona. What's going on? What's going on with it? Now, I've read it. We've had the people here. We've talked to them and I've seen it. And there's a lot of questionable data, but there's still a lot more. They say they got to do. Well, now they got to do the canvas. Great. Look, man, I'm with it. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing. I hear you. Let me know what you find. For the time being, let's make sure we rally the troops. And what I mean by that is the activism. We rally everybody. Hoorah. We're going to get out. We're going to vote in the primaries. We're going to vote local. We're going to get the governorships. We're going to get populist libertarian type people, not big L, little L libertarian type people, national populist types to get in, run for office and win. Because if you sit back and you say, well, I don't got to vote until November. Wrong. You're going to end up with establishment neocon versus establishment Democrat. And you're going to have one guy going, I believe my opponent's tax taxation doesn't go too far or doesn't go far enough or, or whatever. I'm screwing up the Futurama joke. I believe your tax policy goes too far. Well, I believe your tax policy doesn't go too far enough. That's what you'll get. Vote local. And you can see those changes. And we saw it. An unknown truck driver. The Democrats are sweating bullets, my friends. 
Look at this one from The Hill. New poll shows challengers for uh, new poll show challenges for Democrats ahead of 2020. Just from a couple days ago, CNN history says Biden and Democrats probably won't recover by the midterms from The New York Times. Let me tell you right here. This is a warning for the Democrats. What is the branding problem in a nutshell? A pollster says people think we're more focused on social issues than the economy. He goes on to say the number one issue for women, the economy, the number one issue for black voters, the economy, the number one issue for Latino voters, the economy. I'm not advocating us for ignoring social issues. But when you think broadly about voters, they actually all want us talking about <clears throat> the economy and doing things to help them out economically. And if the economy is this bad, and it is bad, Democrats are naturally going to be worried because they have nothing to say. And you know what? The American people see it. Let's jump back to civics. Democratic Party favorable rating. Among independent voters, the Democrats are at 20% favorable, 68% unfavorable. Now, let me show you this. This one surprised the heck out of me. The Republican Party. Independent voters have a 61% unfavorable view of the Republicans and a 20% favorable view of the Republicans. 18% are unsure. 12% are unsure of the Democrats. Now, you may be saying, but wait a minute, Tim. Independents view them both the same level of favorability. But there are two important things to point out. One, that independents have a more unfavorable view of Democrats, which means the swing voters are going to be going to the Republican Party. And also, over the past few months, Democratic approval among independents has been going down. Republican approval among independents is going up. I don't like the Republican Party. Look at this. Intelligencer. Mitch McConnell signals GOP will run on pure obstruction in the midterms. I loathe the Republicans. Loathe. Trump is very different. And I'm not even the biggest fan of Trump, to be completely honest. He's just not all that bad. They certainly lied about him in the media. There were a lot of things he was, he was presenting that were pretty good. Hey, in ending the war, those efforts, I appreciate it. Was he perfect on it? No. Weapons deals with Saudi Arabia, pretty bad. Starving out Yemen, not a good thing. Missile strikes in, in, in Syria, commando raids in Yemen, yeah, all really bad things. But I'll take what I can get. I'm not going to sit here and act like Trump is a god emperor, maybe a meme or a joke here or there, but I certainly think I will take something better than what we're being offered. Mitch McConnell embodies establishment garbage politics and the pe- and people keep voting for the guy. Primary him, please. And then they're like, yeah, but what happens then if we lose? Now people are going to vote Republican no matter what. If this guy can keep getting elected, get out in those primaries. Primary these people. Running on obstruction. Absolutely incredible. Well, There is still some good news here, because regardless of what the Republicans do run on, we have this from the soapbox, New Republic. The 2022 midterms are shaping up to be a blue wave of retirements. With partisan redistricting favoring the GOP in an increasingly toxic environment on Capitol Hill, more and more Democrats are opting to leave the House. CNN reports Democrats officially have a retirement problem. Good. Leave. You know, there are a lot of really awful, scummy people in Congress across the board for a variety of reasons, and I am annoyed by so much. One thing that I bring up, uh, I brought up a few times, I got a text message. So, so this is really funny. You know, they try to smear me all the time, and they're like, 
you know, uh, Daily Beast wrote that I've donated to multiple Republicans. And then when they tried putting that on Wikipedia, the editors were like, I looked it up. Tim Pool donated to six Democrats and two Republicans. So to say multiple in reference to two and then to exclude that he donated to more Democrats, you see how the media game is played. But I will point out, have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. That's Democrats do have a retirement problem because people don't want to be associated uh, with a losing party. Nancy Pelosi certainly doesn't want to be there. And I certainly think it's important that we well, we stand up to corrupt officials. Now, I'm not confident in the Democrats at all. Not at all. There is probably not a Democrat that I would consider donating to at this point. And so while in the past I did, today I wouldn't. But donating to the Democrats resulted in something funny. And this is what I was going to say I brought up before. Because I did, I started getting text messages from these Democrats. One was running against Lauren Boebert in Colorado. Did she text me to tell me that she has a strong plan for Medicare or Medicaid for all? No. Did she message me and say, we want to make sure we can focus on kitchen table issues? No. She texted me and it was a campaign text. I'm not like, not like I know her and said, help me stop Lauren Boebert. I said, from what? You're not campaigning on anything other than hatred, vile, disgusting hatred. I bring you now to Axios. Young Democrats more likely to despise the other party. This is it right here. This is the image you need to share with people from Axios. This is what you need to share with people. College students who would not blank someone who voted for the opposing presidential candidate. Let me just show you. 71% of young Democrats would not date a Republican. 41% of young Democrats would not shop at a business or support a business if it was Republican. 37% won't be friends with them. 30% won't work with them. Among Republicans, it's way low. 31% of Republicans won't date Democrats, but only 7% won't support a business. Only 5% won't be friends with. Only 7% won't work for. Republicans are too tolerant. I know I'm kidding. Republicans are tolerant. So many people say Tim's biased because he rags on the Democrats all the time. Yeah, the Republicans suck too, but the Republicans do very little. They obstruct. So what? That's what I've been saying for years. I'm like, what am I going to complain to the Republicans for? They stand there obstinate with their arms crossed. Democrats are pushing policy to burn this country to the ground. And the tribalism of the Democratic Party is burning this country to the ground. Rand Paul came out 
recently and said we should stop selling weapons to Saudi Arabia if they're going to keep starving out the people of Yemen. And Bernie Sanders then goes, I am in the un- uncomfortable and unusual position of agreeing with Senator Rand Paul. And I'm like, that's despicable, Bernie. We're talking about you. You agree with Rand Paul on like 80 percent of issues. And that's pr- well, I should say probably true. Probably not true, to be completely honest. I'm being hyperbolic. But Rand Paul and Bernie agree on so much. Bernie, you're a tribalist. And I find that detestable. Just come out and be like, thank you, Senator Rand Paul. I agree with you. Let's work towards ending these atrocities. Instead, they go, oh, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable to agree with someone. I can't stand these people, man. And this poll shows it. Exactly what I'm talking about. Look, we have people on Timcast IRL we disagree with. I disagree with Steve Bannon. We've argued about the voter stuff. And I've told, and it's frustrating to me. I'm like, it's demoralizing. It's voter suppression. And I've not seen the hard evidence. And they're like, but we've got anomalies. And I'm like, that's great. It doesn't prove what you're saying. It proves. Now you're allowed to infer from that evidence. I'm fine with that. But yo, I need hard evidence. And I need people to stand strong and believe that we have a chance to bring in some principled politicians, more people like Rand Paul. But you're going to have to primary. But anyway, look, I digress. I think Steve Bannon's a smart guy. I don't think he's a perfect dude, but we, had, we, had ex- we have excellent conversations and we agree on enough. But why is it that I can get Steve Bannon and Alex Jones to come on my show, but the leftists, they don't want to do it. Now, and it's not even most leftists. I mean, look, We've invited tons of moderate leftists on the show and, and leftists who agree or anti-establishment. They won't do it. I don't want to name drop them. I don't want to drag them through the mud because I don't think they're bad people. But there are certainly people who are progressive and populist left that we are cool with. And they're just like, I can't do it. Why? Because of this right here, because the overall tribe of the left, they despise the right to a greater degree than the right does. Nearly two to one in some instances, but way more than that. What is that, like five to one? Seven to one? They really, really, really just hate. And that's their, and that's their MO. So I come out here. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. We had a guy, there was a guy who tweeted that, uh, uh, you know, clips of me praising him because he wrote a meme about Epstein at an art, uh, at Art Basel. And I said, it was great. It was epic. Yeah, I hate Art Basel. I, I really, really hate Art Basel. It's this big snooty art thing in Miami. I don't like it. And so a dude shows up, paints an Epstein thing on the wall, and then he's basically deriding me for it or using me as a point of contention to mock me or whatever, because I he's like conservatives like your boy Trump and Trump was on the Lolita Express with Epstein. And so I just posted a clip literally from last week where I'm like, yep, we talked about it. We've talked about it, I think, like 24 times. Not not dedicated much uh, on the live show because of the nature of the conversations, but we did a private uh, uh, members only where we legit was like, what do you think Trump was doing on Lolita Express? Probably the same as Bill Clinton or Bill Gates. I'm not going to cut anybody slack. You want to fly in that plane? I'm not playing any games. There's no logical argument to it. But a lot of people who are Trump supporters are like, yeah, well, Trump came out and spoke ill of him after the fact. And, you know, that's true. Trump was like, this guy's nasty. So maybe the story is Trump flew on the plane. The pilot said he was his wingman. Maybe then Trump realized what was going on. I was like, yeah, I'm out. But I'm not going to sit here and act like we can prove any of that. These people just want to deride. They want to mock because they're tribalists. That's what they care about. So the problem is, as, as Bernie stated, he perfectly exemplified this. 
you or I, populists, we can look to these left populists and be like, hey, we agree on that stuff. Can we work towards that? And they'll say, no, screw you, fascist, F off. And then nothing gets done. And then they go and vote for Biden. Not all of them, but enough of them. I th- well, like, didn't ContraPoints, you know, the YouTuber be like, we've got to vote for Biden to stop Trump or something like that. Blech. Yeah, support the establishment because Trump is, a, is bad. Trump's anti-establishment. I'll take what I can get. But here you go. Biden's colluding with the establishment. The Democrats are panicked. So we'll see how that, all that plays out. Make sure you come out tonight. Hang out live at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL, 8 p.m. We're going to be talking about all this stuff. Should be a lot of fun. Anyway, thanks for hanging out for now. And we'll see you all tonight at 8 p.m. Closing arguments in the trial of Jesse Smollett are set to begin momentarily. And I got to be honest, this has gone on much longer than it should have, but not that long. It's been like a week, I guess. But based on the absurdity of Jesse Smollett's defense, the thing, the things he's done, the things his defense has done, this should have been over a long time ago. Look, I'm all about innocent until proven guilty, but Jesse Smollett, as you know, is accused of staging a hate crime, and the only defense he has is, well, let's go through it. It's going to be fun. First, his defense tried getting a mistrial, and I, 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 they, pull, they called the sidebar on the grounds that they weren't being allowed to effectively cross-examine the, one of the Osindiro brothers, one of the guys allegedly hired by Smollett. Then the defense claims the judge lunged at her, called for a mistrial. The judge said no, he didn't lunge at her, and there's no mistrial. And then, nearly in tears, Smollett's lawyer leaves the courtroom with her mother, who is sitting in the, in, in the gallery. I mean, just right off the bat, this is just TV levels of drama absurdity. Then apparently the defense kept arguing for the mistrial, which was denied. Oh, it gets better. Jesse Smollett apparently was scolding the prosecutor because the prosecutor read Jesse Smollett's text messages, one of which included a racial slur. And so apparently his new strategy is, I don't know, the prosecutor is racist. Jesse Smollett's story has been absolutely insane. If you've been following the case, he's saying that they were simply, they, they weren't doing a dry run for their hate crime hoax. They were simply driving around getting stoned. And the prosecutor said, you know, okay, so you're friends with one of these brothers. What's, what, what's, what's your relationship? Smollett's trying to make it seem like it's one of the brothers. There's two brothers, the Osendaira brothers, and that one of them was his friend and that they were intimate in bathhouses. And he's trying to say the other brother didn't like me. I didn't know anything about him. So it sounds like the, you know, Smollett's story is he was actually attacked by these men. And it was that one brother who didn't like him who staged the whole thing, or I guess encouraged his other brother to go along with it. And so then the prosecution's like, you were driving around for several hours with both brothers. And Smollett's like, yeah, I mean, it was weird. It's like, you, he was, he, Smollett's story is that, all right, hold on, hold on. So the, so the prosecution is saying that Jesse Smollett st- did a dry run. They went to the area where the attack would happen several times. And uh, I, I guess as a dry run, right? The, the original story, I guess, was that they, they were there and like pointed out a surveillance camera. But I don't know what's going on with that because I'm not seeing that in the current uh, arguments. But apparently they were driving around and the prosecution's like, you drove past the spot several times. Smollett's like, yo, we were just smoking. And I, I, to be fair, it's possible. I mean, it's possible. 
I know people in Chicago, that's what they do. They get in their car and they drive around and they do what's called a, a clam bake. They roll up the windows. And I think that's probably extremely irresponsible. And basically, Smollett's, Smollett's admitting to them driving under the influence, which, sure, whatever, is something else entirely. But this has just been laughably bad. And they were, we were actually hearing that they could have, the deliberations could have be, uh, started even yesterday. But I guess now they're doing closing arguments today. And then deliberations probably, probably will start today. I can't imagine that they're going to take an hour or longer in their closing arguments like what we saw with Rittenhouse or some of these other trials. But maybe it'll be Thursday. So initially, the report I, th- I heard was that Smollett would be, you know, th- there'd be a verdict on Thursday. But one outlet did say Tuesday. Maybe that was wrong. Maybe, maybe Thursday is the right one. But there's a bigger scandal outside of all of this, and this is uh, th- that the Jesse Smollett trial has roped in CNN because Smollett testified that Don Lemon had advised him as to the police investigation. Hours after this was admitted on the stand by Jesse Smollett, Don Lemon goes on TV and covers this as though nothing, nothing happened, as though he's not in a conflict of interest or using his resources at a, well, I don't know how much CNN's worth. I don't want to say too much money. But a large corporate media outlet with all of their resources, he gets this information, he passes it along to Justice Millett to try and help him. Let's take a look at some of the news we got going on, and we'll break down some of the laughably, uh, laughably, laughably bad things, like Smollett arguing. It, it, oh, man, it's just, it's just too crazy. It's too crazy. Smollett apparently was like, I don't want to say yes or no. And the judge is like, just answer the question. Like, what do you, what is, Smollett was like, I'm scared to say yes or no. So this is, this is it right here. Fox News, Smollett trial closing argument set to begin after both sides rest their case. And this just kind of goes over basic details, but let's get into the, the, the ridiculousness here. Smollett blasts prosecutor for reading actors texts that include N-word. Smollett sat in the witness stand where he faced tense, continued cross-examination from special prosecutor Dan Webb. Now, I want to tell you how bad it is. It's so bad that Fox News reports Jesse Smollett's testimony was unparalleled disaster. Jury will see through ruse and convict him, say experts. Closing statements in former Empire Actors trial are set to begin Wednesday. That's how bad it is. First, who are these experts? Fox News. Did you go and find some experts to give you confirmation bias so that your far right audience will just hear what they want to hear? Mm. Fox News. If we want to get the truth, of course, we've got to go to the Daily Beast because, of course, the left bias network certainly would be giving us their honest opinion. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that Fox is just trying to railroad a good man. And the reality is that once we get the true news, we'll see the, oh wait, what's this? Daily Beast. Jesse Smollett got totally nailed in his cross-examination. Yeah, nobody likes this guy. The left and the right have now been piling up on him, pointing out the dudes full of it. So you know what I want to do? I don't like the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast is one of the least reliable news outlets. And here's what I really love about the Daily Beast. You look at the NewsGuard certification, and it's 87.5 out of 100. And they're like, it's pretty good. Except on Wikipedia, they're like, the Daily Beast is unreliable and can't be used for biographies because <laughs> they just make things up. But let's see what they make up about Mr. Smollett in his cross-examination. The Daily Beast writes, after Jesse Smollett spilled all the tea he could on Monday, special prosecutor Dan Webb put the focus back on the attack on the Empire star that the actor allegedly staged in a brutal cross-examination on Tuesday. Webb, a lawyer's lawyer who nailed corrupt judges and cops when he served as the U.S. attorney for the district, including Chicago, 
and who prosecuted Ronald Reagan's national security advisor and deposed the president as special counsel in the Iran-Contra affair, shifted the focus back to the incident at hand. This after Smollett had previously shared intimate details about the relationship with one of the Osendaro brothers who have testified the actor paid them $3,500 in 2019 to stage a fake hate crime. Tuesday's cross-examination felt like a masterclass in how to zero in on details and seal the deal. After a day of salacious speculation, innuendo, and tabloid fodder, Webb wanted to remind the jury that they were what, what they were here to decide upon. Webb focused on the scene of the incident and the actions leading up to it. Evidence provided during the trial showed that Smollett and the Osendaro brothers drove multiple times in the preceding days around the exact location where the actor would later claim he was physically attacked, had bleach poured on him, and a noose put around his neck in the frigid wee hours of January 29th, 2019. Smollett had previously testified that he solely worked with Abimbola, the Osendaro brother. He also testified he had a adult, intimate, and drug-induced relationship with, and that he didn't get along with the older brother, Olabinjo, who Smollett claimed had nothing to do with his life. Uh, Abimbola, uh, who also appeared as an extra uh, on Empire, has denied that they were intimate. So why was Olabinjo in the car with the two men around the area in question for a workout that didn't happen? Quote, you got so stoned, you decided when you got to Streeterville that you were too stoned to work out? No, Smollett replied back. I've worked out many times high on weed. It certainly wasn't that. The actor claims that he found it weird that Olabinjo had accompanied him in Abimbola and that at the time he said the workout didn't happen because he had an interview to prepare for. But as Webb kept pressing him on specifics, Smollett grew more and more visibly frustrated. Let me just point out. So you get in the vehicle with the guys because you're going to go work out, but you know you have an interview later, so you just drive around smoking weed. Just say it, bro. You were not going to work out. These guys were just giving you drugs. I mean, he's already admitted that. Just make it simple. One notable example was when the prosecution pressed Smollett to acknowledge that he drove around the area not once, but three times with the Osendaro brothers. Do you have any reason to disagree with police testimony that you passed by the intersection three times? Webb asked. I don't know, Smollett replies. I circled around the block. How long were you there? Smollett says, well, you have the surveillance. You tell me it was three years ago. You know, it's funny, man. I get it. It was three years ago. You may not remember. But dude, you are the reason this was delayed for so long. You. So don't, 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 don't play that. Now, look, innocent until proven guilty. I get it. The state's got to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. But I think we've seen enough, to be completely honest, that the more and more this drags on, Smollett is guilty of this. I think a jury should decide. And I think it's fair to say innocent until proven guilty. Or interestingly, it's more like innocent until found guilty by a jury of your peers, I guess, because, you know, innocent people do go to jail. But let's just be real, man. There are certain things that are beyond uh, uh, argument. And, and, and if their best defense was the judge lunged at me, we need a mistrial and, you know, uh, the prosecutor said the N word or whatever. I'm just like, OK, we get it. You got nothing. You have nothing. We know you got nothing. The police got the evidence. Let's just get it done with. How about that? I, I, I'm curious, though, if they're showing the police surveillance footage. But this story that these these two uh, Nigerian brothers, one of whom was friends with Smollett, tracked him down in the wee hours of the morning to stage an attack against him as, as Trump supporters. It's just laughably dumb. But I'll tell you this. If the, if the Osendaro brothers truly are uh, um, experts in scamming, they pulled it off perfectly. Why? Well, think about it. 
If Jussie Smollett were telling the truth, it would be that these two brothers knew exactly how to stage an event to such a degree that Smollett would never be believed. Could you imagine that the Osendara brothers being like, here's the plan. Now we're going to put on masks and gloves and wear hats. And then we're going to go and attack him in the wee hours of the morning. We're going to wait for him to want to get some eggs. And then as soon as he goes, we'll be waiting for him. And then when we attack him, he'll tell everybody that two Trump supporters did it, that they were white. But then when it turns out it was us, because everyone will find out we did it, they'll think he's a liar. That's the stupidest plan I've ever heard. And it makes no sense. It's predicated upon the fact that the Osendaro brothers would have been caught doing this. So what is his story? These guys planned on getting caught to frame Jesse. Yeah, dude. Here we go. This is where it gets funny. It was clear that Webb had a nerve with Smollett after the actor tried to cast doubt on Abimbola's testimony by claiming the two had been in an intimate relationship. Webb put the focus back on Smollett, pressing him in an intense series of back and forth exchanges about the specific details of the night in question. These included whether Smollett thought a Walgreens was open for 24 hours, why he was looking for eggs in the middle of the night, whether or not he'd asked Abimbola about a workout that night, and on and on until the actor seemed to hit a breaking point. Quote, I'm just concerned about answering yes or no, Smollett told Judge James Lynn after Webb began to strike one of his responses as non-responsive. Please, please, Lynn told him. It's the same for all witnesses. It's not personal to you. The lawyer asks a question. You answer them. In a final round, in a final round of back and forth, Webb pressed Smollett on the attack itself and why Smollett changed his initial description of his attackers to the police from white to being pale skinned, also which is not true. By the end of his cross-examination, Webb had left many lingering questions about Smollett's account of what happened for jurors to consider. Among them, if Smollett had delayed a workout with Abimbola that night, as he testified, why were there why were there no follow-up messages or calls about that? Let's put it this way. So after the attack, or I'm sorry, before it, apparently Smollett was on the phone with Abimbola about working out, they say. That's what he said. I was talking about working out. But then he got attacked and they never actually got to work out. So then uh, why would he not call him back and be like, hey, here's what's happening. I was attacked, bro, because it's all a lie and we all know it. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. As Webb wrapped up his questioning, he asked if Smollett is, uh, if getting a few bruises had really impacted his acting career. Mr. Webb, I have a scar under my eye that looks like a bag for the rest of my life, Smollett replied, also mentioning a black circle on his face. It's absolutely a problem. Webb then showed Smollett a photo of him during his controversial February Good Morning America interview with Robin Roberts a few weeks after the attack. 
In the photo, Smollett did not appear to have any of the markings he just described. Smollett clapped back, asking Webb if he knows that what Hollywood interviews are like and insisting that makeup provided to him on set makes me look much better. Damn, Jesse, how did you let him get you like that? So saith Daily Beast. Um, if he had a scar or a ring on his face, but in an interview he could be uh, given makeup, why could he not be given makeup in any one of these movies? What, what, what was it? I, I love uh, seeing movies like Paul Giamatti because he's bald and they give him hair or, or Stanley Tucci in The Hunger Games. It's called Hollywood makeup and special effects. It's not hard to do. Once Webb finished, defense attorney Nenya Uch followed up with redirect questions for Smollett involving his, his communications with the Osundaira brothers. They were fine and fair, but the damage had already been done. As it appears, the once celebrated star may have bitten off more than he could chew by choosing to take the stand. Well, what more could he do? What else could he do, more importantly? He's got no evidence. Everything's stacked up against him. He's got two witnesses saying he paid them. His corroborating evidence. His story makes no sense. His story never made any sense. The dude lied, and the establishment lined up behind him to push the lie. How amazing and gullible must these people be to blindly just believe all of this stuff? When the story of Jesse Smollett happened, it was the most ridiculous thing many of us had heard, and people didn't believe. Are you kidding me? Two Trump supporters recognizing Jesse Smollett, tracking him down and yelling, this is MAGA country in downtown Chicago. You can say it a million times. It gets funnier every time. But here's where we get to the next big scandal. CNN silence over Jesse and Don. Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon shows both ignore Empire actors claim that Lemon texted him during fake race attack scandal. We have this tweet from Kenneth P. Vogel. On Monday, Jesse Smollett testified in court that Don Lemon advised Smollett on the police investigation into his hate crime report in 2019. Hours later, Don Lemon discussed the trial on a CNN show, but did not respond to the testimony about his role. Now, to be fair, it could partly be because, well, they produced the shows and they weren't paying attention to the trial. Either way, what Don Lemon did was wrong using CNN resources to aid someone that he knew. It's not nearly as bad as what Chris Cuomo did with his brother, Andrew, but it's still pretty bad. Well, now casting all doubt aside, Don Lemon and Anderson Cooper and CNN and all of them and Brian Seltzer, they all have an opportunity to now come out and address what Jussie Smollett said. What do we get? Well, from, Don, uh, from Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon, whole lot of nothing. Daily Mail reports. CNN had its legal experts blast Jesse Smollett's testimony on two of its flagship shows Monday night, with Don Lemon ignoring his own alleged involvement in the story while inviting a lawyer on to express doubts about the actor's claims. On Monday, Smollett claimed to court that the CNN star had texted him in the wake of the alleged February hate attack uh, that Chicago uh, police weren't taking his claim seriously. But Lemon avoided that allegation during his report on the trial on Monday and again failed to touch on it on Tuesday. Criticism of Smollett's defense strategy. At, at, his, uh, at his trial for allegedly faking a racist and homophobic hate crime began around 8.40 p.m. Tuesday, when Anderson Cooper's legal analyst, Sarah Azari, offered her scathing take on the 39-year-old's day in court. Sarah, I'm wondering what you make of Smollett's testimony on the whole. Did you think he was very credible? Did you think he helped his case? Anderson asked Azari. He heard his case. He got up and testified in a compelling way and a calm way, but he is a trained actor, right? So the idea that he is a self-made man, he's hustled, he's worked hard, trust me, believe me, don't convict me. Okay, then you get to the explanation part, which completely fell flat. Azari said that she was confused by Smollett's refusal to report the alleged February 2019 hate attack to cops. 
despite what he claimed was its severity. She also took exception to the claim that he wanted to buy herbal steroids off the two brothers accused of attacking him, one of whom was actually said to be a lover of Smollett's. So we get it. We get it. They go on to say that Azari did not mince words. We understand that CNN was, was um, very critical of Smollett. And I find this interesting, considering how, ma- how many people in the mainstream were actively defending and supporting and propping up the lies from Jesse Smollett. The interesting thing here is that they're not bringing up the fact that they've been accused and they've been implicated themselves. Don Lemon also let his guest, defense lawyer Joey Jackson, to stick the boot into Smollett on his show an hour later. No mention was made of Smollett's claim in court Monday that Lemon had texted him in the aftermath of the alleged attack to warn that Chicago police weren't taking his claim seriously. Jackson said he found Smollett's version of events murky and pulled apart multiple inconsistencies in his story. He then added, quote, so when you have to explain, 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 this is way too much. Explaining to me to the point that the narrative is inconsistent. It does. In the end, uh, uh, at the end of the day, actor, talented or not, it's too much to overcome with respect to facts that are compellingly against him. Jackson said he expected jurors would find prosecutors' versions of events more compelling than Smollett's, indicating that he thought the actor was headed for a conviction. It's a felony charge. Six felony charges. That's, that's prison. Lemon, who was also gay, is said to have warned Smollett in 2019. Smollett told his trial yesterday that Lemon warned him. See, Chicago, PD, uh, Chicago police detectives had told him they didn't believe his story. Lemon didn't mention it on his show last night during a minutes-long segment with reporter Omar Jimenez, who had been at the trial. Instead, the pair discussed the day's events. It comes less than a week after CNN fired Chris Cuomo, another primetime host, for advising his brother, Governor Andrew Cuomo, in his scandal crafting statements for him and using his journalistic sources to investigate some of his accusers. Now, to be fair, what went down with Chris and Andrew was substantially more egregious, in my opinion. This is a guy who's got a family conflict of interest. It's a guy who's giving privy information to his brother, helping him navigate this space. With Smollett and Don Lemon, it's literally like these guys know each other, they're friends, and he was giving him private information. Inappropriate, yes should be addressed? Yes. Well, let me give you that opportunity, Jeff Zucker. Zucker tells CNN staff Chris Cuomo will not be paid severance and that he wishes he'd taken action sooner. Uh, he, he wishes he'd taken action to fire $6 million a year star sooner. $6 million a year for Chris Cuomo. Talk about insane, right? Well, Zucker, you now have the opportunity to get ahead of all of this and fire Don Lemon, but he won't. Because the only reason he went after Chris Cuomo is because he had to, because evidence got released. Well, closing arguments are starting today. Justice Smollett will likely be convicted, but will the judge actually hand down any strong sentences? Will it just be probation? I don't know. I think Smollett will be found guilty. I'll be surprised if he won't be, but Smollett will be a felon for the rest of his life. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. We like to joke about the dystopian novels we read in the past or stories created by great thinkers and then reference them to today's events. But there are some things we just didn't predict for the most part. I think it's fair to say V for Vendetta did have within its core story the St. Mary's virus, but they didn't have the vaccine mandate stuff like we're seeing now. And boy, is it getting creepy in Germany. There's a video of an elderly woman being detained by police because she does not have her papers. German police sound familiar. Walk up to an old lady and say, papers, please. And she's like, I don't have my Vax passport on me. And they grab her. They're yelling at her. It's creepy. The Nazis are back. 
In Australia, boy, Quillette is stinking up something fierce, angry that Majid Nawaz and I have criticized their concentration camps. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that a little too hyperbolic? Well, when you take people from their homes without due process and imprison them with threats of fines or other penalties. Yeah, I'm gonna be a little hyperbolic. Internment camp. How about we call it that? in Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, from uh, NBC Los Angeles. Mom says son vaccinated in exchange for pizza at LAUSD without her consent. Jennifer Kennedy, an attorney who is following closely the two cases against LAUSD over the vaccine mandate currently making their way through the court, said the problem is that kids in California can't consent to vaccination, so they secretly do it behind your back. There's also been I think what hundreds of stories of children getting adult sized doses of the vaccine. Oops. Yeah, I think that was at Walgreens. It's creepy stuff. Videos out of Austria, of, uh, I'm sorry, out of Austria, of cops walking up to random people and demanding their papers. It's getting dark and it's getting dark fast. And I, I wonder what the true motives of these elites are. And I certainly think it's not just about COVID. Now we've got, we've got this story out of Forbes. Check this out. Will Omicron change what fully vaccinated mean? Means BioNTech CEO says full vaccine regimen against variant is three doses, not two. Does that mean six? Some people have said in response to what the CEO said is that it's six, six doses. And what that means is you'll have gotten your two doses for COVID alpha, followed by your booster shot for, you know, uh, 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 efficacy boosting the efficacy. But then Omicron is going to need its own vaccine. And the CEO said the Omicron vaccine will be three doses. Now, is he saying that you need three doses of the original vaccine or you need three doses of the new vaccine? That's a very important distinction. It was always obvious what was going to happen because the vaccine cards had four places to write about your vaccinations. Not one, not two, four. So this is obvious. Let's take a look at what's going on with the taking of people's children. NBC LA reports Maribel du- uh, Duarte says her 13 year old son, a student at the Barack Obama Global Prep Academy in South LA, brought home a vaccine card after having accepted the COVID-19 vaccine at school. She says he said yes when someone offered it in exchange for pizza. Amazing. The lady that gave him the shot and signed the paper told my son, please don't say anything. I don't want to get in trouble. These people are evil. You need to understand the banality of evil. Some say, you know, we, we've talked about this on Timcast IRL, that it's simply meaning it simply means that uh, evil is commonplace. Yeah. Is that it? The banality of evil was, was a reference to how uh, Nazi Germany, how they did these things, how they violated people's rights. But I'll tell you this right now, man, the, the greatest generation, the people who knew what freedom meant, who liked this country, who believed in America, they're going away. They're aging out. Many of them, there's very few left, to be completely honest. Now, baby boomers retain some of those values, but it's mostly disappearing. The silent generation, I'm not sure how much they care, but they do retain some of these values. And so we are ultimately seeing the values that kept this country safe and defeated the Nazis being stripped away. And there are people who champion, who are championing communism. And now you're going to see, man, in the future. I'm not confident. I'm not confident. So part of me is optimistic that at least we here in the U.S. will be able to retain our values and, and, and persist, but not unless you have kids and teach your kids and, hey, 
I don't have kids. So there are a lot of issues I see in this. But let's 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 first talk about what's going on with this kid and what they're doing. The, what, what's going on with with uh, the vaccine against the uh, parents will. The LAUSD says student matters are confidential and wouldn't comment specifically, but did say it's it's safe schools to safe steps incentive program is meant to ensure several steps are in place for vaccinated students to receive prizes. Duarte says she's not against the vaccine. She's vaccinated herself, but it's different with her son. He has problems with asthma and allergy, allergy problems, she said. Jennifer Kennedy, an attorney who is following closely the two cases uh, uh, against the LAUSD over the vaccine mandate currently making their way through court. So the problem is that kids in California can't consent. Both are ultimately seeking an end to the mandate. The LAUSD does not have the power to add a vaccine to the California school schedule, she said. You couldn't do it if you were a podunk school district, and you can't do it if you're LAUSD, second largest district in the nation. You don't have that legal authority. In California, school vaccines are handled through the State Department of Public Health and created, uh, created into law through the state legislature. The LAUSD says... As of the Thanksgiving break, 80% of eligible students at Obama Prep have been vaccinated. It hurt to know he got a shot without my, without my permission, without knowing, and without signing any papers for him to get the shot. The LAUSD has mandated a January 10th vaccination for all students age 12 and above. Those who don't get it and don't have a legal exemption will be forced back into virtual online learning. Hmm. It almost sounds like it was uh, planned and very specific and obvious. First, they tell everybody we're locking you down. Everybody hates it. Life is miserable. Then they say, okay, we're going to let everybody come out. Everybody come back out. Your businesses have been destroyed, but Walmart and Amazon are doing better than ever. Then they say, okay, nope, sorry. We got everyone. You got to go back home. Um, but if you get the vaccine, you don't got to wear a mask. Then everyone said, okay, and they got the vaccine. You had people like Robbie Suave of, uh, of Reason, I believe, saying, hey, look, if I had to deal with the vax mandate or a mask mandate, I'd prefer a vax mandate because I don't want to wear a mask. And he got dragged for that. Why? Because how long did it take for them to say, OK, now you're now we're mask mandating, even if you are vaccinated. A lot of places are doing that. More uh, red areas aren't. And I tell you this, man, as much as I do not like the Republican Party, the last bastion of freedom, the saving grace of uh, individual rights and liberties, civil rights, it's the red states. Certainly ain't the blue states. They have become corrupt. What we are seeing in Australia, in New Zealand, in Germany, it's what nightmares are made of. It's what dystopian nightmares are made of. In New Zealand, Jacinda, what's, what's, what's her name? I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, super savvy on, on, on New Zealand's political spaces. But this is Jacinda Ardern's. That's her name. Her net worth as of November 4th last year was $800,000. And her net worth now is estimated, is stated to be $25 million. I don't know if this is true. Seems to be some kind of meme. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it's completely irrelevant. But that's her name. Jacinda. She outright says, listen to this. So long as there's people who are eligible who haven't been vaccinated, we've got work to do. You know, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied so long as there's someone who's choose, you know, who who is eligible and hasn't been. And that's why I've said this, there's not going to be an end point to this vaccination program. Uh, once we've, obviously, we're rolling out boosters now. So we've got a, another, you know, wave of people that we need to make sure that we're protecting again. So Protecting again? There's never going to be an end to this vaccine program. The people of New Zealand, man, you guys are pathetic. But I'll tell you this, if that's the society you want, and that's what you're 
interested in? Okay, okay. Far be it from me to tell the people of New Zealand how to live their lives. I'll certainly say that y'all are pathetic and stupid because we have seen where this leads throughout history. And those who do not remember history are doomed to repeat it. So by all means, New Zealand, carry on and enjoy what comes next. But that's their choice. I don't think I have any right to tell people in New Zealand how to live. So by all means, you guys do your things and we'll do ours. You don't like that we like freedom and we have guns? Guns? Well, you know, whatever. That's our thing. And you don't have to live here. By all means, think it's crazy. That's fine. And, and that's reasonable and acceptable. But uh, we'll do our thing. You do yours. It's fair to say, though, what's happening in the U.S. is getting dangerously close to what's happening in many of these countries. Take a look at this. I said, hey, the Nazis are back. We got this tweet. German police detain an elderly woman who didn't have her Vax passport. The scene looks eerie. He misspelled eerie, but we'll let that one slide. Voice to text doesn't always work. Yeah, there's a little old lady in Germany and the police are like, show me your papers. Sound familiar? Man, I thought uh, it wasn't supposed to happen like this. I thought we knew there was no pretext by which we could allow the government to do this. You know, it's funny. These people don't know the history and the context around concentration camps in Nazi Germany. Now, there were many different uh, issues given or reasons stated as a pretext for shipping people off to camps. But I will tell you what it wasn't. They weren't walking up to Jewish people, to Polish people, to homosexual people and saying, we're going to take you to camp and kill you because people would resist. They wouldn't do it. Certainly some people probably knew. One of the pretexts for shipping people off was a typhus outbreak in the ghettos. We got to give you better accommodations. Oh, some people just they're living in squalor and it's and it's and it's resulting in a dangerous, you know, uh, illness. Everybody get in the car. We'll take you somewhere safe. Wasn't the only reason. A lot of it was outright war, anti-Semitism, and it was overt in many ways. But there absolutely is tons of propaganda from the Nazis talking about how the Jewish people were carriers of disease. It was a lie. It was a trick to turn the population against them, to foment this kind of radicalized ideology, and then make the people of Nazi Germany okay with what they were doing. Many of the German people didn't even know what was going on. And I'll tell you this, there's a lot of things going on with the U.S. government we don't know either. So what do we do? I don't know. I can tell you that in New York City, it's, it's probably uh, the worst place for this. They've, they've gone nuts with a mandate. We have, we have good news in this front. Check this out from Daily Mail. Dozens of anti-vax demonstrators block roads outside of Mayor de Blasio's Brooklyn home after he unveiled plans to mandate employees at all private businesses, you know, get the vaccine. Anti-vax? You see the dirty game they're playing? This is Daily Mail. Anti-vax demonstrators or anti-medical mandate demonstrators. You see, Merriam-Webster has changed the definition. They say anti-vaxxer now means someone who opposes government mandates. Sorry, I'm not quite sure what my policy positions have to do with my science positions. And I, I'll say it again, and I'll, I say it a lot. The mRNA technology, as outlined, is fascinating and good. It's brilliant and it's going to lead to major breakthroughs that can cure tons of diseases. I'm a huge fan of the mRNA program, the research, all the things they've done. Huge, huge fan. Uh, and if you go to the doctor and you want to get vaccinated and do whatever you want to do, like, yeah, do your thing. I'm not going to tell you what medicines you should, shouldn't, should or shouldn't take. In fact, I'm in favor of completely legalizing basically every single drug. Victimless crimes shouldn't be punished the way we're handling it. I do think maybe we can save money and replace imprisonment for people who are addicted to, you know, like 
health clinics and maybe helping some of these people. But that's on you. It's not my it's not my my business. You go to the doctor. The doctor says, here's what I recommend. You can trust them or not. That's your business. That means I'm against vaccines. No, it isn't. I think vaccines are fantastic. I got tons of them when I travel all over the world. They kept me alive. Awesome. But you know what I do oppose? The government forcing people to undergo medical procedures. That should be obvious. But you see what they say? Protesters chanted no vaccine mandates. Oh, my body, my choice. I thought they were anti-vax. Oh, they're just against government mandates for medical procedures. Interesting. The good news on this front, NYC vaccine mandate blocked by judge in blow to de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is an evil, evil man. And I don't use the word evil lightly, but I've, I've been using it more and more lately. Yeah. These people are evil. They know what they're doing. They know why they're doing it. Bill de Blasio is not, uh, he, I'm not going to pretend like he's the smartest guy ever. But I can certainly tell you that this guy is at least aware that what he's doing makes little sense, that they're incrementing this on people against their will. And I will tell you that's, uh, well, to me, that's what evil is. Selfish desire, manipulation, the extraction of people's value, or their, their uh, um, let me put it this way. I believe that people are autonomous individuals with their own individual agency, I believe that the path towards a better future would be a well-informed populace making rational and reasonable decisions. I recognize, as someone who's been to major protests, who runs a company with many employees, and who has seen and, and been, a, been a manager at other companies, it can be tough because there are a lot of people who are real dumb but real arrogant. But I don't believe the solution is to punish and strip away human rights from people simply because you recognize that some people don't know some things. These elites, people like de Blasio, their attitude is, you're all stupid. I'm smarter than you. So do as I say. Now, they don't say it as overtly, but there's a funny thing here. There's this this quote. I can't remember who it's from, but he basically says, if humans are so dumb that they need a powerful and intelligent leader, what separates that leader who is also a human from the rest of the pack? Effectively saying people like de Blasio are also dumb as a box of rocks. The problem is their narcissism drives them to steal the reins of power, seize them, and then destroy people's lives. I'll tell you what I think. I think we do have an overpopulation problem. I don't think it's just a density problem. I I certainly think density makes overpopulation worse. But man, you take a look at um, a satellite map. A lot of people don't get this. They look at a satellite map and they think all the green they see is trees. It's not. The trees are gone stripped away and and plowed to clear land for houses and suburban complexes. And it is is massive. I mean, I don't have anything pulled up, but seriously, go to Google Maps, look at the east, look at the east coast and zoom in and zoom in. Find a a, a plot of green and zoom in and you'll be like, whoa, wait, what? This is just suburban housing. But it looks so green from outer space, from the satellites. Some of it is trees, the darker green stuff. But the point is humans are a sprawling baby sprawling and spreading. Look, go, go down to Argentina, go down to Buenos Aires, zoom out. Look how massive these concrete fields of rock. We are turning this planet into a giant rock, a hard crusted shell. Now, what is the solution to this problem? Education. It is advocacy, honesty, and education. And I tell you this, I've had conversations with people about all of this, and we don't always come to agreement, but we, we certainly come to, uh, well, we come to a certain agreement for the most part. 
that there are things we can do that we agree on to help mitigate these problems. Here's the issue. I can look at this, but I can't tell you that I have all the answers. And it would be extremely dangerous if I came out and said, we must take dramatic action to do X because we fear problem Y. And then it turns out I'm wrong. I'm just one dude. I haven't read anything. I don't have the summation of human knowledge in my head. I might have a phone that can Google it or duck, duck, go it. But who am I? And that's why it's extremely important that I have a discussion with those who might disagree. We go over the facts, and then come to a, an agreement. It's the wisdom of the crowds. A decentralized system is likely to be more robust and stronger. The command economy people, the authoritarians, the crackpot Nazis who want this lockdown are probably wrong. They're probably wrong because people are wrong. They aren't smarter than the collective hive of human uh, you know, intelligence and, inform- and knowledge. They think they are, though. They would seek to suppress the wisdom of the crowd in favor of their own personal beliefs. I assure you, Bill Gates has not read everything on the subject matter. I assure you, de Blasio hasn't either. In fact, it's very obvious based on their actions. They're not smart enough to handle this on their own. And Bill Gates, who is he to decide how we should be handling this? These individual leaders are not gods. None of us are. And that's why the best thing we can do is decentralized decision making. Not, not, not 100%. I certainly think the founding fathers had a fantastic idea with this, but we do have a lot of people. How do we solve for this? Well, I certainly don't think hard, you know, hard depopulation is the answer. I think education and information is. But you're not getting that from the elites. You're getting force. They're, they're, they're saying it's time for the stick and they're whacking people with it. People are getting angry. I'll tell you what this will lead to. There were riots all across Europe over this. You think you're going to be able to stabilize a nation by lying to people and beating them figuratively with the stick? Offer them the carrot. Say, here's what we can do. These elites are too arrogant. They don't believe that humans are capable of, they don't believe they're capable of it. They think that humans are just going to act like chickens and you got to put them in the coop and sometimes you got to cull their numbers. I don't mean that literally. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of elites who are basically like, you know, wanting to kill people. And I'll put it this way, too. Serial killers exist. Smart serial killers exist. Why wouldn't they ever find their way into positions of power to start wars and just kill people because they like the idea of killing? New York loses this one. A judge has blocked Bill de Blasio's crackpot, psychotic and amoral actions. The problem is, however, these judges won't last forever. And the people are not speaking out and standing up. Now, some people are. Like I mentioned, there was a protest going on. Dozens. Dozens? That's it. Dozens. That's crazy. In a city of millions, only dozens come out and say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. So where does this lead us? You know, I'm fairly pessimistic. And one of the reasons is that there's no united front among the, the freedom-oriented individuals, the, the libertarian side of things. I mean, little l libertarian, which includes independents, moderates, post-liberal, classical liberals, conservatives. There's no unified front. You, you get uh, uh, controlled opposition. You get groups like Quillette, who's advocating for and defending internment camps in Australia under the guise of safety. Yeah, just like Nazi Germany. How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we push back, honestly? I think we stand up, think we get active in the primaries, make sure you're voting out these incumbent Republicans. We may have lost many battles. We've won many battles, but the culture war is not over. I want to see a future much like Star Trek, the next generation, classically liberal, but there is military hierarchy if you choose to join the Starfleet. 
technological advancement to the point where people can basically have anything they want to eat whenever they want. And people seem to be relatively in shape, perhaps when you don't have to worry about food. Many people just don't overeat or the people who do having access to unlimited food don't really last that long, which is also kind of scary. But in Star Trek, in that vision of the future, there's oceanfront property. There's there's property, there's capital, there's wealth. Picard owns a, a, a vineyard. And the left tries to claim it's communist. Literally, it's not. They even have a currency. So anyway, not to get into the Trekkie stuff. My vision of a future is a well-informed population agreeing that there are certain forms of hierarchy, living peacefully with abundance and knowledge. Man, it sounds like paradise, a classically liberal paradise. And they've dealt, they've dealt with pollution and all these issues through technological advancement. How are we going to get to that point when you have crackpots destroying our economies under this, this Luddite idea, ideological vision of returning people back to the woods? It's not. But I suppose that's their vision. They don't they, they want 500 million people. They don't want 8 billion. And I can certainly understand that there's way too many people, in my opinion. But I certainly think each and each and every one of these people has inalienable human rights. So the answer is certainly not culling. But there are challenges there. I'll be the first to admit it. We as humans recognize easily the problems of, you know, deer overpopulation and hogs People like to fly in helicopters shooting at hogs because we know what happens when there's too many. What happens when there's too many humans? Can the planet sustain billions of people? Me personally, I don't think so. But I'm not going to pretend to be the arbiter of morality to know or, or knowledge and know for sure, know for sure, especially to the point where I would take a life or destroy someone's life. Now, we have to have a conversation about it because each human, well, they have human rights. The elites don't think so. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.